Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, now offering an online master's degree in teaching. A state license can be earned after the first summer semester with an opportunity to teach grades 7 through 12. The application deadline is March 1st. More information at education.olemiss.edu. Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, lawmakers react to new recommendations on how the state spends public education dollars. I'm open to anybody who's got good ideas, but what we're talking about is the future of public education in Mississippi. Mississippi actually got its money's worth. It's amazing how much research and how much effort has gone into this report. And after StoryCorps, find out what a national foundation is doing to promote racial healing in Mississippi. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi lawmakers need to design its public education funding formula according to the needs of each individual student. That's one of the recommendations from Ed Build, the company contracted to evaluate the state's K-12 funding formula. In all, the Ed Build report offers 11 two-point recommendations. Among them, Ed Build recommends a higher per-student base cost and additional money for each student according to extra demands such as advanced placement special education, and English language learners. Rebecca Sibilia is CEO of EdBuild. She spoke with our Desiree Frazier about some students who will cost more to teach. Low-income students, for instance, uh, students that are English language learners, uh, those are the students that are generally judged from equity purposes. Um, and our recommendation is that the state ensure that those students are adequately funded in the formula as it exists today. Um, and and that every local community pay their fair share of of that resource. So are you saying they should continue to use the MAEP formula and phase in what you're referring to? There could be two ways to go about that. The first is to use the current funding formula that's in place and phase in whatever recommendations the legislature decides to adopt from our report. Um, Another option would be to go to um, some sort of hybrid uh, where there are uh, recommendations that are adopted immediately by the legislature and perhaps the weights are phased in or the base is phased in. There are many ways that the legislature could determine what a phase in would look like. We would urge them to move toward a student-based funding formula soon rather than later. Can you break down for us exactly what you're saying should be spent on each student? Uh, What we're saying is that uh, the state should consider spending more money on an enrollment-based count than what it is currently funding for a general education student. We're asking that 20 percent in uh, additional resources be provided to low-income students, about 20 percent for English language learners, uh, more resources for students that have special needs, and more resources for all students in high school. Um, That will be dependent on the actual base amount that the legislature decides to adopt. So you said 5,888. Is that the number? 
We can't give you an exact figure amount because the legislature is going to have to determine which of our base funding scenarios they want to adopt. Um, and so right now what we're saying is that we want to make sure that certain students within the formula are prioritized at the right level. Uh, but the legislature is looking at, you know, we've made a recommendation um, to fund students between about $4,300 and about $5,000. And there are lots of variable costs that we've put forward within that. So you're giving a range then. We are. AdBuild CEO Rebecca Sevilla. Representative John Moore, Republican from Brandon, chairs the House Education Committee. He says the AdBuild report is money well spent. Uh, I, th- I think it was actually, uh, absolutely right down the road with what we were looking for and, and what we anticipated. Uh, we're, we're very excited. It was a very thorough report. And it, at this point in time, I can tell you that uh, Mississippi actually got its money's worth where they had built it, but there was, it was amazing how much research and how much effort has gone into this report. And now it's time for the heavy lifting on our part, and uh, we, need to, we need to look at it in line by line and see which parts of it that we can put together in a bill and whether we agree with a recommendation or not and just let this, let this legislature deal with the whole product. Uh, and we'll start the looking technically immediately at, at just what we can move forward this session. At the end of the day, every member will want to look at their individual district and how their district is going to gain or lose, and you know, and they have every right to do that. And if I were sitting where they are, I'd be skeptical too. But I do know that we have a problem, and it's up to this this 174 members of the Mississippi Legislature to correct that problem and to make up Mississippi a, a powerful education. Uh, uh, environment here, and I think we have an opportunity to do it, and I'm excited to be in a position to actually guide part of it through the process. What do you think about weighting the uh, budget to student needs? Oh, I think it's the only way to do it. I've been wondering why we hadn't been doing it for a long time, and as you'll notice, the, the, I, I question the items outside of the formula. Most of those, that's what they do. They fund those extra needs. Uh, everything from $15 million for, for in the Educable Child program to the to the National Board certification to the reading coaches to the pre-kindergarten. All that stuff is not even considered when you're talking about funding public education in Mississippi, which is, uh, has fascinated me for years uh, when, the, when the cost of the National board, board certified teacher is not considered cost of public education. You scratch your head and you say, what's wrong with this picture, you know? What about special needs? Yes, that definitely special needs are in there. And, and of course, I, special needs children have always been a passion of mine, and I, and I, I focus a lot of energy on those, on those categories. There's a wide array of categories when you're talking about special needs children. Some, there's not a lot of extra cost. Some, there's a huge uh, extra cost to the districts and to the state. And, uh, you know, when as we look at those, we need to maybe – make two or three different categories and two or three different weights within that subsection by itself. So, What do you think about um, having the tax at 28 mills across the board? I think that's something that we'll need to look at very substantially. And I, one thing that I did here that I did not realize, and everybody dog cusses Mississippi because we don't spend enough on public education, she demonstrated in there, just there, that Mississippi spends a whole lot more on public education at the state level than all of our surrounding and our peer states. So what's the problem? She started mentioning, well, the, the local the local jurisdictions don't spend 
we, we spend the bulk of it, and everybody depends on the state to, to finance it. Other states, they tell the local district, you're going to pay the cost of your public education. And what state was it she mentioned that only 2% of the education cost is picked up by the state? And then, but there were several that were down. Mississippi's at 73%. Did that surprise you? It surprised me enormously for us to be standing out like that. House Education Chair John Moore. Senator David Blunt is a Democrat from Jackson. He tells our Desiree Frazier the process needs to go forward cautiously with lots of input. Uh, it's highly detailed. It's highly complicated. It needs a thorough review. It needs the input of all parents and teachers and principals in the state. Uh, again, I'm, I'm open to anybody who's got good ideas, but, but what we're talking about is the future of public education in Mississippi, and it needs a thorough uh, review. Everybody needs to study it carefully, and uh, you know, that we don't need to rush through and do anything uh, without hearing from all the parties who are involved because it's about public education in Mississippi. What do you think about adjusting the budget to be based on student needs? Again, this is all just a theory. And we've got to uh, run the numbers to see how it is actually affecting districts out there across the state. Uh, and it needs more vetting. We just got this an hour ago. Again, I'm open to good ideas. And anybody's got good ideas, I want to hear them. But we've got to study things carefully before we start changing the way we deal with uh, education funding. What did you think when you heard that the state is spending 73%, which is more than other states dedicate to education? Well, that's because we have low property taxes in poor areas in the state. Uh, one thing that we're going to have to ask in, in, in regards to this recommendation is, is it going to create a tax increase uh, at the local level in the form of higher property taxes? And, uh, and we just don't know the answer to that right now. What do you want to come out of this? I think anytime you look at an education funding formula or anything that government does, if you get a lot of smart people and work on it to try to make it better, that's a good thing. But you shouldn't make a change uh, if it's going to make things worse. Uh, so... I don't know the answer to that. I don't think anybody knows the answer to that right now. So we just need to move cautiously and with the full input of all the people in Mississippi. Senator David Blunt of Jackson. We also heard from House Education Chair John Moore and EdBuild CEO Rebecca Sibelia. Find out what a national foundation is doing to promote racial healing in Mississippi and across the country. That's coming up after StoryCorps. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Nina Totenberg. Are you someone who talks about how great public radio is, but you're still not a donor? Rather than wait for the next pledge drive, you can support the programs you love by donating that unwanted vehicle. Donate it today. It could be worth hundreds of dollars to this station, and you could get a tax deduction. And thank you. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Imagine waking from a deep sleep only to discover your loved one has passed away during the night. In this week's Mississippi StoryCorps, that's exactly the story Pat Odin shares with her daughter, Stephanie Rolfe. In the months after he died, that was probably the moment that I saw this community of people that remembered him and loved him and wanted to reach out and help you 
And, and as the baby of the family, that's not something that has ever come naturally to me. So that moment for me was probably the moment where I felt like I grew up and I understood mm-hmm. that there were other people. What did that feel like as you were grieving the biggest loss of your life? What did it feel like to have people around you? It was very comforting. It was overwhelming. I mean, I knew I had friends, but the way they reached out to me in every area. I remember the morning that I found Larry, 3.30 in the morning. The first thing I thought of was, of course, to call y'all. And um, then I said, well, I need uh, at least a neighbor here. And they came. But And you're in shock. You You really... Don't I look back now and I think, why did I do some of the things I did? But I was in shock. And I remember I've got to call my boss and tell her I'm not going to be at work today. Just a matter of factly, you know, well, this is like 430 in the morning. And at five o'clock, I see her walking up the driveway. Those kind of things. Yeah. Um, You know, the word got out. People started coming in and uh, making phone calls for me. And just sitting there, not really having anything. They didn't feel like they had to say anything. They, and they didn't to me. It, it was the, it was just the fact that they were there for me. I still have those same friends. Not all. Some have went on, and that happens. And I don't begrudge that at all. But I still have some friends that think about me. Whether it be Valentine's Day, you know, what are you doing tonight? We're going out to eat. Why don't we come by and pick you up? And and they just know that I'm usually there, you know, by myself. And um, this week being sick, I, people were calling constantly. You know, it's it's such a blessing to have friends, mm-hmm. true friends. And through things like this, you find out who your real friends are. That's the reason it's impressed me so especially these three and a half years, that don't be consumed by your own problems. If you'll look around, you'll find somebody in much worse shape than you are. Yeah. And you really are the ones that receive the blessing by reaching out. But, you know, it strikes me, too, the reason that you have such an amazing group of friends, those are friends you've had for a long time, time. and those are friends that you had before you went through your divorce. Mm -hmm. And so these are lifetime Mm -hmm. connections. And you have done a lot for Mm -hmm. them and for their children. And I know you have this group of friends that consistently threw bridal showers for each one of us as we got married. And you have done so much for other people that you deserved to have that kind of support. I mean, you've earned it, and I think that you're fortunate to have it, but you've also been a big part of doing that for other people. Yeah, well, it was it was quite amazing. It yeah. really was. It went way beyond what I could even comprehend, the things they've done for me. And I had people calling me, checking on you in the weeks after that. I think that was probably, it felt like scales had just fallen off of my eyes, And I started to see this community of people. And it's so funny to me because, you know, you and I talk about this a lot. As my mother, you will say, you know, you're doing too much. You've got to have a break. You need to take care of yourself. But that's a product of me seeing that happen. And, you know, three years ago, three and a half years ago, where 
I feel like I need to contribute wherever I can. Mm-hmm. And it does leave me exhausted. But I learned that from you. And I learned that from going through that with you. To hear more of our conversations from the StoryCorps mobile tour, go to mpbonline.org. The StoryCorps mobile tour visited Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We're at the beginning of a new chapter in history. Donald Trump has said his priority as president is going to be protecting jobs. What will be President Trump's policy on space exploration? Well, now let's take a step back and hear about the direction national security might take in the Trump administration. I'm To understand the people and policies that will shape the country for the next four years and beyond, listen every day. News you can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. On January 9, 1861, delegates to Mississippi's secession convention voted to sever all ties with the United States. The delegates tell us why in a declaration written to make their purpose clear. Our position is thoroughly identified with the institution of slavery, the greatest material interest of the world. Its labor supplies the product, which constitutes by far the largest and most important portions of commerce. A blow at slavery is a blow at commerce and civilization. There was no choice left us but the disillusion of the Union. For the next four years, Mississippians would fight the bloodiest war in American history. By the end, Mississippi's cities and economy would lie in ruins. But Mississippi's slaves would be free. This has been Mississippi, a thread through time. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell, the host of Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Each week, credit counselor Chris Burford and Assistant Professor of Finance Nancy Lauter-Janderson are ready to answer your questions about credit, investing, or saving for retirement. Or call in to share your success stories of navigating the personal finance challenges that we all face. Money Talks, Tuesday mornings at 9 on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Organizations across Mississippi are joining together to promote a National Day of Racial Healing. It's part of a nationwide effort from the W.K. Kellogg Foundation. Rhea Williams Bishop works with the Kellogg Foundation in Mississippi and New Orleans. She tells MPB's Ezra Wall more about the initiative and about how Mississippians can get involved. The National Day of Racial Healing is, um, is an effort really to advance racial healing in communities across the country and to create an environment where all children can thrive. So the ultimate goal is to bring people together across race, religion, gender, whatever the the differences are. We want to try to bring people together on January 17th. We want to make sure we build bridges and, and ensure that this becomes a more perfect union and bring about oneness uh, within and throughout our country. What are the biggest issues uh, you think that are that are facing those people and organizations now that are working toward uh, racial reconciliation, racial healing, racial harmony? I 
the, the, the largest issues uh, that we see is just the fact that we've been so focused on, on differences. And, you know, no matter what side you're on politically, what side you're on religiously, whatever, we've sort of taken sides and gotten stuck in those sides and have the, been instilled the, the feeling that we're right and everyone else is wrong. Um, we, we want this day of, of healing to open the door so that we can seek commonalities and come together to work for the good of this nation, for the benefit of all of our children. And, and that's really what it's all about. We, we definitely see that this has to be a focus. Um, this type of divisiveness will do none of us any good. It doesn't do uh, communities any good. It doesn't do states any good. It doesn't do the country as a whole any good. So we want to focus on how we can come together and heal and then move forward throughout the year. This is really just the beginning. It's a kickoff. It's not the finale. It's, it's, it's just a start. And, and communities are leading this effort. We just basically planted the seed and we want communities to take it and, and run with it. Talk a little bit more about what kinds of events are associated with this National Day of Racial Healing. Well, sure. To, let me just throw out a couple of examples. Um, we have uh, Tougaloo College who will be sponsoring uh, events showing um, uh, a documentary that um, the foundation has worked uh, with uh, wonderful producers to develop. It's called um, America Divided, and there's different uh, sets of series, some touch on housing, uh, one touches on education, and they will be showing these, uh, this documentary or segments of it and having discussions uh, to move the, the conversation forward. Uh, we have an, another organization um, down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and they will be hosting several events. Uh, they're going to show the documentary at some point, but they will be having panel discussions. Um, and we have a, a website that we can refer people to to pull down all of these various uh, events that will be taking place not only in Mississippi. Uh, there are events in New Orleans. There are events all across the country. But we want to emphasize that even if you are not able to tap into one of these larger events, we want, we want to encourage people to do uh, their own form of, of, of racial healing one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Uh, talk to a friend or a colleague or a coworker. Go see one of the uh, fantastic movies that are out that deal with the subject and then have a conversation over dinner uh, about that. Have conversations among your family members or church members. There are a number of things that both individuals and organizations uh, can do to move this conversation forward. And that's the ultimate goal, to move this conversation so that we arrive at a place of healing and not a place of uh, division. Several small towns have done um, proclamations and resolutions. Uh, we've been working, the city of Indianola is doing one, the city of Jackson, um, the uh, Holmes County, uh, they're putting together several different events uh, that will be led locally by some of the um, healing practitioners that have worked with us over the years. 
So there are a large number of events that are taking place. And like I said, this is just the beginning. This is the kickoff. Many of those events are listed on your website, not just in Mississippi, but an interactive map that's quite easy to use uh, is available at the the, uh, National Day of Racial Healing website. What's what's that web address where people can go find that information? It's uh, www.dayofracialhealing.com. Rhea C. Williams Bishop is the director of Mississippi and New Orleans Programming for the W.K. Kellogg Foundation. Dr. Williams Bishop, thank you very much for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Ezra. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for local Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9, it's Money Talks. Then at 10, in legal terms. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app in any mobile store. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, now offering an online master's degree in teaching. A state license can be earned after the first summer semester with an opportunity to teach grades 7 through 12. The application deadline is March 1st. More information at education.olemiss.edu. It's Marketplace Tech for Tuesday the 17th. I'm Ben Johnson in New York. Remember when President Obama was first sworn in?